Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to take one last look back at this Texas A&M game. I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys since I went back and rewatched the video, so we'll talk about that. We'll jump ahead to this Kentucky game also, take a sneak peek at Razorback basketball with the red-white game coming up on Saturday, and we'll get into your questions, of course. All that and more on Hogsports Live. few thoughts this Monday morning. Is it morning? 1245. If you come at me and say that you're a realist, you're most likely a pessimist. Nobody ever says, I'm a realist, and things are looking up. Fight me. Fight me on that one. So that just brings me into how it just kind of amazes me to see fans on social media say, you can tell how far this program has fallen when people are pleased with showing up and playing well and losing. First of all, I don't know if you've noticed, but Arkansas was 2-10 and 10 last year, uh, so that should show you pretty much where, what you need to know as far as how far this program has fallen. But you've got to have some appreciation for the small victories, if, even if not the big win. That just brings me to no self-respecting Razorback fan is going to be satisfied with where this program is right now, okay? But there's a big difference in being encouraged by seeing noticeable progress versus being satisfied, okay? And then I just see a large contingent of fans who come after anybody who expresses the slightest bit of encouragement uh, because a loss is a loss, right? A loss isn't a loss, okay? There are different stages of loss. What happened against San Jose State wasn't the same as what happened against Texas A&M, okay? It's not that black and white. There is some gray area. Chad Morris lost a huge segment of the fan base that he'll probably never get back after that San Jose State loss. So that is a bad loss. Texas A&M isn't a good loss. No such thing as a good loss. No such thing as moral victories, I guess, if you want to say it like that. A big part of me expected Arkansas to go into that game and totally let go of the rope and just lay down and take it. Really did. And as I said before, it would either be two types of, you know, two types of Arkansas teams. It would either be a team that shows up, plays a close game, win or lose, or a team that just gets blown out like 55 to 10. And there wasn't going to be a 14 or 17-point loss in that one, as I was saying on Saturday. I, do, I don't think it's the same type of loss. I mean, are you going to go, say, when Arkansas goes to Alabama in a few weeks and they lose to Alabama, is that just going to be the same? A loss is a loss. The coaches got outcoached in that one, you know. I mean, is it not just because it's freaking Alabama? I just get a little tired of that narrative that a loss is a loss when, yeah, it's a loss, but – and there's not – as I said, there's not going to be an asterisk above the Chad Morris's record because they played really hard in this one. That's not what I'm saying. But when you take a team that's won two games and was a 23-and-a-half point underdog and they showed up and played and showed some fight, that should be a little bit encouraging. It shouldn't just be a loss is a loss. And I, I think that – Maybe people would have a little bit different reaction to that one had they taken care of business against San Jose State. And, you know, I think a lot of fans would feel better, you know, about that game if they had beaten San Jose State. So I keep hearing that Arkansas played San Jose or Texas A&M to a seven-point game last year and nothing is different. Um, but the difference is Arkansas was dominated in every phase of the game last season except for turnovers. 
they only put up 248 yards of offense, including 55 rushing yards. Barely connected on 50% of their pass attempts. Um, they were better on special teams, offense, and even defense played better this year. Still lost by seven, but I don't know. I viewed last year's team as a little more pieced together versus this team. Uh, not complete, but headed in a direction. You know, last year's team was just kind of put together and you knew it wasn't going to stick like that. You know, it's evident by 11 new starters starting in the opener this year. That was actually probably the best game that Arkansas has ever played under Chad Morris, believe it or not. Probably the best they've ever played, which makes you more frustrated, I guess, at the same time, the way they played against San Jose State, because that was probably the the worst when they played. We've got two weeks to ask, have they learned their lesson? It's a big lesson to learn these last couple weeks, because you know what happens now when you don't show up with the right mindset. Okay, you lose to a team like San Jose State. Okay, are you going to take that forward? Because I'll tell you what you should be even more irate about, even though you can't wash away that San Jose State loss. It doesn't wash off. But if you showed up against Western Kentucky and you played terrible in that one, that would be – I mean, then you really are asking questions. You're already asking some questions, but then you really are because that just shows you're not not learning. You know, you're not taking what you learned in the last game moving forward. And, you know, that's why I look at this one – and I see, you know, Kentucky, and I think that there's a chance to win that one. I really do. I look at what Kentucky's got. You know, I watched their game uh, on Saturday, and, you know, they're dealing with some issues at quarterback. He's under 50% passing. If you don't have a good quarterback, then you don't have a good team. That's the way it is this day and age. Four touchdowns, five interceptions. You know, they they do have a little bit of success with that Wildcat quarterback, but you got to have a good quarterback, and they they don't really. So uh, I think Arkansas has got a chance if they can take the lessons they've learned so far, okay? And I've said this over and over again, that for a young team under a new coach, you have to take learning, okay? So they go on the road to Oxford, Ole Miss. They don't close out the fourth quarter. They really struggle in a lot of ways, simple mistakes and stuff. That's part of the learning process. You literally have to lose some games like this to figure out how to win on the road. And then you take it a step forward to Texas A&M, not a road game, but a neutral site game. Okay, so that is still significant. And you get to a point in the fourth quarter where you have a chance to win and you don't close it out. These are all things that help. You don't want to be I know you don't want to be on the wrong side of a learning lesson, but that's where Arkansas is right now. They just are. That's where they are. How many people we got on here right now? 240. Razorback fans still care a lot. We've seen anything by the traffic. People are – I feel like people care more this year than they did last year. I feel like people are kind of like, well, this is how it's going to be. And this year they just seem a little bit more invested. I want to bring this up too. This is another thing I hear people say is that you can't blame the refs. And I want to know where that started exactly. And I'm not blaming the refs on this one, but I'd be lying if I said some of the blame doesn't go on the refs and it's like there's this line drawn. And I I think it started maybe when coaches started saying it or players started saying it because it's, you know, all about us and yada, yada, we're not going to blame the refs. And then fans took it over. And and I get that, that you don't want to say it, but it, it reminds me of this thing back in the 1950s. Okay, there was this... There was this deal with companies producing products and that, you know, they kept, you know, trying to innovate, produce better products, want people to throw away their old stuff and buy new stuff. And there was an issue with litter, with packaging, you know, glass bottles showing up in hay bales and things like that and cows eating it. And instead of 
you know, reforming how they do things with packaging and stuff. Um, you know, it also goes back to, to bottles and, and, you know, deposits for bottles and stuff, which only 12 states do that. They created this saying called, don't be a litter bug. And this was coming from the companies. This wasn't like some independent source that said, you know, we're going to stamp out littering. This was from companies, don't be a litter bug. So they put the onus on you, your problem. You need to do this. You need to recycle and took it away from them. And I kind of feel like this the same way here. Okay. Yes. The rest deserve some of the blame. Did they cost Arkansas the win? No. Did they play a role in Arkansas's loss? They have. And it, I, I just, I don't want to, I know what people are going to say, like, you know, because everybody has this hard stance against it. But when I go back and look at this game, here's a few instances. And I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I, I broke it down a little better after the game, after rewatching it. Um, on McTelvin, a game sack with about 11 minutes to go in the first quarter, T.J. Smith was clearly being held. Clearly. From behind, I mean, clearly. Um, now, Arkansas obviously would have taken the sack, but still, a flag. There's still got to be a flag there. On This was a big drive for Texas A&M. On the drive right before halftime where they scored with eight seconds left, there were two misholding calls that were blatant. So Hayden Henry came on a blitz and was grabbed from behind and taken to the ground when he was about to hit Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond got the pass off and went incomplete. Should have been should have been a holding call. And then later on that drive, this one was bad. Uh, Dijon Harris came on a blitz up the middle and literally looked like he was, you know, just like leaning forward, pulling a wagon because he had so many people behind him pulling him. No flag. It looked like people were just strapped on his back. Third quarter, 5.56 to play. T.J. Smith again was coming up the middle, and Kellen Mond's trying to escape. And you can see his undershirt gets pulled like a foot and a half away from his body and see him noticeably being yanked back as Kellen Mond runs right out of his grass onto a first down. Clearly a hold. And then obviously, of course, there's the pass interference with uh, 2.08 to play in the game on Arkansas's final drive when uh, Miles Jones threw Tyson Morris to the ground, 25 yards downfield, right in front of the side judge. And then later after that play, you have um, the suplex. I mean, Ben Hicks is suplex to the ground, which is a rule that they are trying to force. They're making a huge emphasis on forcing, punishing quarterbacks to the ground with your body. And you have a guy take him and pick him up and suplex him to the ground. I mean, it's that is the definition of that penalty. Anyway, not blaming the refs, but good Lord. I want to bring this up now that I'm moving on a little bit. Rakeem Boyd, because I've been saying this too, Rakeem Boyd needs carries. I want him to see 25 to 30 carries in that game against Texas A&M. He only had 18 and two catches, so 20 touches overall. But, I mean, when you look at it, the scope of college football, you look at the SEC, he is one of five running backs in the SEC that are averaging – 18 or more carries per game. He's averaging 18.2 carries per game, and the most is 21.6. He's the second leading rusher in the SEC right now. Just saying. I mean, because I've been saying, like, he's not touching the ball enough. He's not touching the ball enough. Apparently nobody is, though. So, anyway, I thought I'd bring that up. But Rakeem Boyd, I guess he's touching the ball enough. On to Kentucky. You guys ready to move on to Kentucky? We'll get. To, I'm sure there's going to be a few questions in there. I haven't even looked at the comments, so who knows what people are saying about me after I'm whining about the referees. I get it. I get 
I get the narrative. Okay. I get it. But it just seems like Arkansas can't buy a holding call, man, at this whole season. So kickoff time set for Arkansas, Kentucky in 12 days, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network. How about that? So this is – I've never been to Kentucky. Lexington is the last SEC venue that I have not been to. I've been to all other, other 13 schools. So I'm excited to go to Commonwealth Stadium. I like the looks of their stadium. Not a huge stadium, 61,000, but aesthetically I like the looks of it. I'm kind of a stadium geek. I love looking at stadiums, their history, and how they're put together. I feel like maybe I could finally put together a top 14 stadium list without having to leave out Kentucky. Although I haven't been to the new Kyle Field. I guess 2012 is the last time I went to Kyle Field. So I guess you have to take that into account. Maybe they can move that freaking game. Danny West has got a great story on attendance at the Southwest Classic over the last seven years. It has just dipped and dipped and dipped. It's down to 55,000. It was 76,000 back in, uh, I guess, 2000 and what was that, 2014? Right, was it 2009, I guess, the first year they played? I think that's when he went back to, not when they did the home-and-home home and then went back to it. So, other SEC games, you've got South Carolina at Georgia, 11 a.m. that weekend, Florida at LSU, 7 p.m., Ole Miss at Missouri, 6 p.m., Mississippi State, Tennessee at 11 a.m., Alabama to Texas A&M at 2.30, and UNLV Vanderbilt at 3 and then uh, this weekend, since Arkansas is on a bye, you've got, you've got some good games. S- number seven, Auburn at number nine, Florida, 2.30, CBS. Utah State at LSU, 11 a.m. Troy at Missouri at 3 p.m. Georgia at Tennessee. No matter Tennessee, that's always going to be uh, an interesting game, 6 p.m. And then Vanderbilt at Ole Miss, 6.30 p.m. I guess I lied. There's only one really good game, <laughs> Auburn and Florida at 2.30 uh, on CBS for that one. so But the next weekend, it looks like some pretty good matchups. And then Arkansas getting the 630 game. So I'm glad I'll get the full experience of a night game in Lexington for that one. But Arkansas, I think they got a chance to win. I think, I think, they, I think they're going to win. I, I'm going to go on record right now and predict them to win that game. I picked, I picked them in the preseason to beat Kentucky, and I think that things have fallen in a way that they're going to get that win. With losing their starting quarterback, Terry Wilson, who was playing well for them, uh, Sawyer Smith just hasn't shown very well. And I will say this, I'd feel more emphatic about it if the game was in Fayetteville and if Kentucky also wasn't going to be coming off a of bye week because they both are. But, man – I just think they got a really good shot at it. I think they're going to get their first SEC win in this one. It's going to be a close game, but I think Arkansas is going to take it. I really do. Jumping ahead to basketball, red-white game on Saturday, 3 p.m., October 5th, in Barnhill Arena. They're going to have the Team Eddie and Team Nolan. A little bit of a throwback with special guest coaches. I don't know who the special guest coaches are who are going to be coaching the game, but uh, – that's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be a packed house. I really do. I wonder where we'll get to sit. I'm hoping I get to sit courtside. They move the media, you know, off to the side, which is fine. I mean, I don't expect to, in this day and age to sit courtside anymore, but uh, it, I, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll let us sit courtside. That'd be cool. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Going to be a wild environment, I think. I'll tell you what, I liked, I liked going to media day. I like talking to these kids. Um, I like some of the stuff that they have to say about the pace and place, the pace and space offense, playing at the same pace as Mike Anderson would, but uh, incorporating more NBA stuff. Give, give a thumbs up if you like that. Um, so speaking of that, I haven't even done the intro guys, there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. I just dove right into this. So plenty of ways to watch and listen, always streaming on Facebook live and YouTube, uh, uploaded immediately after we call it hog sports live. Cause we stream it live on Facebook. Um, and, uh, be sure to throw us a thumbs up right now or a like, be sure to hit the subscribe button and hit the notifications bell on YouTube. So you're notified anytime a new video is uploaded. Also, plenty of ways to listen. You can listen on Apple Podcasts right now. We are the number one rated show about the Razorbacks on Apple Podcasts. Want to continue that. So throw us a nice review. Throw us a five-star rating, and we'd really appreciate that. Also available on Spotify and Stitcher. So plenty of ways to watch and listen. Hogsports.com is just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off for your first year. So almost nothing to lose. And that year option takes uh, comes with a seven-day free trial. So encourage you all to see what we have behind the curtains if you like. What we do on Hog Sports Live, one of the main reasons we do this show is to get our message out there uh, to hopefully attract more subscribers. Um, so get on there. Give us a shot if you like the content here. Okay. Basketball again. I, I like what I see from this team. Abiyami Iiola. I think I said it right. Now, he's got to sit out this year, but uh, – I've been working on that name, Abiyami Iiola. I just don't want to call him Bebe. I, I don't want to call another grown man Bebe. I just, I don't. I, it just feels weird to me. Hey, Bebe, how you doing? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Um, I think they've got some pieces on this team. It's going to be huge if they can get Connor Vanover eligible. I will say that just in watching practice on Thursday. I mean, I saw him at one point knock down like six or seven three pointers. Uh, he's almost unguardable shooting from three-point range if he's got any kind of space. Uh, he also showed a good mid-range game, I thought. But I felt like he scored more than anybody else out there. Uh, so they are a small team, 7'3", 230. That would be a nice addition if they can get him eligible because they're looking at, t- at playing Jean-Tal Silla, Adriel Bailey, those guys at the five. Um, Reggie Chaney also going to play down low a lot at the five. So they've got uh, – they're going to be a smaller team, no question about it. I think they're going to have pretty good guard play. Love what I heard from Desi Seals about how much this guy is working. Isaiah Joe, too. I've always liked Desi. Um, I just think he, he's got that, that attitude, leadership, qualities. Mason Jones, same way, character. Mason Jones is a character. He's going to be fun to watch. Jimmy Whip, I think, is an interesting player, too. I mean, really, you've got those four guys to play in your backcourt, you know, play at the, guard, at the two guard spots. But Jimmy – 6'3", 175, never been an exceptionally good three-point shooter. In fact, that has gone down each year of his career, although his two-point shooting percentage has gone up. But he can provide a lot. Uh, I will say this about Jalen Harris also. He looks like his shot has improved a little bit. You know, he had a little bit of a wasted motion. He'd kind of bring his – like there was like this cocking motion or something right before he shot. And 
I actually tried to go and shoot like that to see if I could do it and felt very awkward. But I talked to Eric Musselman uh, not long after he arrived. We had a, me and Danny had a two-on-one interview with him, and I asked him just about shooting mechanics. I was mainly asking about Jalen Harris and Gabe Osaboyan when he was with the team at the time. But I just, you know, and his, his opinion is, you know, if a guy's struggling shooting the ball, then yeah, we're going to look at re- reworking it. And I think they may have done that with Jimmy or shoot me with, uh, with Jalen Harris. So, um, and I can't remember what Jimmy Witt's shooting mechanics were like. I'll tell you another one is, uh, Reggie Chaney. Reggie Chaney kind of shoots like, uh, the ball just, his elbow and wrist just don't sync up or something. Something's off with his shot last year, but they need to get him shooting free throws better. Cause he's going to be at the line a lot, especially if he's playing down at the five. This is a big deal. California governor. What's his name? Gavin Newsom signed a bill today to allow college athletes within the state to profit off their name and likeness. Now, this will go in effect in 2023, but this is a huge deal. And the way he, the way this is set up, I don't like it. But what I do like about it is it forces the NCAA's, the NCAA's hand that they are going to have to make changes. Okay, this isn't quite the answer. There's got to be something more universal because there are 1,100 schools that play under the NCAA, okay? All 50 states, I guess, are represented. Is Alaska? Is Alaska in the NCAA? Most states, if not all of them, are represented by the, under the NCAA with a, with a team playing either, you know, one, one AA, whatever. So something has to be done to make it more of a level playing field, okay? Something has to be done to – and then I don't know what the answer is, but whatever it is, this is your opportunity, NCAA, to get the brightest minds together and figure out a good solution for this because this is where we're headed. We've been headed there a long way. <clears throat> you may not like it, but that's where things are right now. College athletics makes too much money. And I know these kids are on scholarship, and I know they're getting paid in that sense, and I know that they wouldn't have the opportunities they're, they're having if the game wasn't there in the first place. Okay, and yeah, you got to be thankful for the game. But we're headed to this. Okay, and California, New York also is is, um, you know, coming up with similar legislation. But the game is headed that way. NCAA, you've got three years to get this figured out. Less than that, really, because, you know, you need to have a a leeway period. But you got to get it figured out. And it's got to be something that keeps the game, the integrity of the game, you know, the same where, you know, Schools like that have huge fan bases because, I mean, Arkansas doesn't have a huge fan base. I mean, there's a lot of billionaires in this state per capita, but are from this state, Razorback fans per capita, I guess, but uh, and millionaires. But it's still, you know, Houston is 5 million people. Arkansas is 4 million. You know, something's got to be done, but we got to get it done to where we still have this I don't want to say sense of amateur athleticism, but this sense of school pride, playing for the school, and not just straight making money um, based on your likeness. Something, but tweak it a little bit. All right. Let's jump into some questions and comments. I guess we get to see what people think about what my, what I said here. Donna Madden Wallingford says, did so much better, give them a chance. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if they didn't lose that San Jose State game, then I think maybe we have a little bit different narrative, you know. But I definitely feel a lot better than I did 
about this team follow, than I was following the San Jose State game. I mean, I was thinking, man, they might ne- not ever recover. And they had a choice after the game. Did they man up or did they just lay down and let the season go and let the let go of the rope and really if eventually, you know, they don't pull it together, then Chad Morris doesn't pull it together, you know, and then we're right back to where we started from. Bobby Swain says, I'll take the Hogs over Kentucky. We did. We get our first SEC win in this one if the D shows up. I think they – I really think that everything falls into place now. They can't be overconfident. They have to go into this game like they're about to play, you know, the toughest opponent of their life or like their scholarship is on the line or something. But they have to have the right mindset. They can't go in there thinking, oh, they lost their quarterback. Oh, we got this. It's Kentucky. Kentucky, by the way, has a winning record on Arkansas. I believe it's 4-3. to three. Dustin Hoofman says referees may may not may not make a direct change on the outcome of the game at that moment, but can definitely change the direction of the game and can change the outcome. There's no question. Like I said, I mean, it's just like we've adopted this narrative that, like you can't blame the refs. Can't do that. You're not a man if you don't, or a woman. I should say that too. You're not a man or a woman if you don't. You're a child. Junior Roberts says, your honest opinion on who should start at quarterback. Nick Starkle should start at quarterback, uh, Junior. I, I just feel like his ability to drive the ball down the field separates him. I think he has the highest ceiling uh, with the quarterbacks. I say that. I mean, the highest ceiling may belong to K.J. Jefferson, but I don't think he's quite in a situation yet where he's ready to take over the starting job at quarterback, although I really like what I see in K.J. more and more in practice. I think, you know, speaking of reworking mechanics – I was I just sat there and watched KJ for about ten minutes, just watch every pass he threw the other day at practice. I believe that was Wednesday. And what I always noticed about him, I think I was talking about this the other day. He has a little bit of a hitch in his motion in high school and caused a lot of wobbly balls to come out. Um, and a hitch is just where you you know you just kind of raise up. There's no there's no whipping motion. Okay, so this is a hitch. This is a loop, a baseball loop. When it, you see a lot of quarterbacks, maybe who play baseball also, they kind of drop the ball down like that. So that's a loop. It's a wasted motion when throwing a football. But he looks like he's cleaned it up a lot. And I notice more velocity, a better spin rate on the ball. So I think that's – I'll tell you this about KJ. The dude has some legs on him. This dude's thighs are huge. And I've heard him compared somewhere between Deshaun Watson, and this isn't me, and, and Cam Newton – I've heard some people say the difference in him and Deshaun Watson is that Deshaun Watson came in ready to play and KJ is just kind of uh, clay that's got to be cooked and shaped and molded. So, But I I, I would be encouraged about what I see from KJ from a potential standpoint, not ready yet. Because he will throw one, I mean, two miles over a guy's head. Alan Jeter says, what time does Arkansas play Kentucky is on SEC channel? So it's on the SEC network, Alan, at 6.30 p.m. Got the night game, believe it or not. Bobby Swain, there's the answer. Joey Mark says, funny how nobody is complaining about the coaching this week. Last week's game was on the players, not the coaches. Well, I mean, the coaches got to get the players ready. The coaches have to get the players ready. That's all part of it. And, uh, I mean, even Chad Moore said in the pregame, he's looking around and Players are a little too loose, hamming it up in front of cameras and stuff like that, something that he had to address in the pregame. So that's part of coaching. You know, and that's one thing, you know, there was so much talk last week. You know, Bo came out with his podcast with an interview with Houston Nutt, which is great, by the way. You should check that out. Um, And I think that's why so many people were talking about Houston Nutt last week because Houston could get teams up for a game. I mean, there's only one Razorback, you know. I mean, you can can hear him. 
he could get people up for a game, that emotional level. And, um, you know, we hear so much that every game's the same, that they're, you know, you got to approach each week like it's the same. That wasn't true with Texas A&M. That's, that's not true. There's there's too much Texas A&M influence on Arkansas's roster with Starkle, with Akeem Boyd, with Chad Morris, with John Chavis, with Ron Cooper. I mean, there's too much of that. A lot of those guys know each other from playing in high school. Justin Luther says the interception Starkle threw wasn't all his fault. The intended receiver was thrown to the ground. Well, he was tackled, Justin, and, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that play. I mean, it's, it happens behind the line of scrimmage, but the guy that he was throwing to was knocked to the ground. I will say on that one, maybe a play-calling question because you know Texas A&M is just clogging the middle. You know, they're looking for a run up the middle, and you throw a pass behind the line of scrimmage designed to go up the middle. Michael Passarelli says coaches did not get the team ready to play against San Jose State. I assume you're talking about San Jose State anyway. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely – I mean, yes, part of this is on the player. you got leaders and captains on this team that are supposed to be leaders, okay? So, yeah, you want to have a team that leads from within, but it's still a very young team. Again, something else that people are tired of hearing, it's a young team. But, guys, it's a young team. I mean, it just is. Arkansas leads the nation in moral victories, says David Scott. I don't know that they do. I don't know if they lead the nation in moral victories. I mean, really, they've got one moral victory here, if you want to call it that. Bobby Swain is the kid with heart issue done for good. Not sure who you're talking about. Are you talking about basketball? Yeah. I'm talking about basketball. Uh, he's the student manager. Matt A. Worley says, if there is going, if they're going to run that pass play, Nick's in touch. Should be. I'm not sure what you're saying, Matt. Terry Roy says they should play him. The players are the reason people come to the games. What are you talking about, Terry? You talking about KJ? James Matthew Nolan says, let California have their own league. College kids are amateurs. They are. I mean, in the same sense, they're getting paid. They're getting scholarship money. They're getting um, actual cost of, tu- uh, of tuition. I mean, they are getting paid still. It's not like they're not getting paid. And I'll tell you this. This is a PSA to any college athlete out there, okay? We all want stuff right now. This is the society we live in where we want it right now. But you have to think about your future, okay? You have to think about your future, and it's about getting that education. Because let me tell you something right now. Just looking over some of the stuff going on with collective bargaining agreement with the with the NFL and stuff. I mean, they could not even play football in 2021. But the way things are structured right now in the NFL is you have a short shelf life. Unless you are a superstar, you have a short shelf life in the NFL because there's no middle class anymore. Because rookie contracts are so cheap now that teams are taking those middle-tier type players that would command more money and replacing them with rookies, with guys on rookie contracts, I should say, which you can't revise for like at least three years, four years, I think, if you're a first-rounder. So that's the deal now. Um, so if you're a college athlete and you're thinking about going pro, you better think about a short career in the NFL because in, not only do injuries happen, but they will – I mean, they'll just say, see you later. We'll bring in a rookie. You know, if everything's equal or not even equal, the rookie's almost as good, then they're going to go with the rookie. So your shelf life in the NFL, unless you are a superstar, you got about two, three years. You got about three years and you're done. Okay. So you need to think about that. Okay. So yeah, it's important. Yeah. You want to get paid. I get it. I get it. A lot of these kids are struggling too. I mean, a lot of these kids are struggling, you know, um, 
There's no question about it. And so should they get a little bit more? The way college athletics are going, I mean, you got Nebraska announcing the other day they're building a $180 million, uh, you know, facility. You know, these college teams are having better facilities than NFL teams now. Um, so much money is being brought. And you look at some of the things that Arkansas has done, $160 million renovation to the stadium, the Fred W. Smith Center seven years ago, um, the Jerry and Gene Jones Family um, Student Athlete Success Center. Now, granted, most of those things are for the athletes, but give them a little pocket money. Give them something. Give them something. I don't know if it's like – Profiting off of jersey sales is the answer, or if it's a standard pay across college athletics or something. But I agree, it's time to do something, okay? Um, but I don't want it to get it to a point where it's, you know, corrupt. And heck, maybe it's more corrupt right now than it would be if they if they put something on it like that. So that's that's my kind of stance on that. But guys, worry about school. Get your degree. That's what's important. College football, yeah, that's your ticket to better things. But as kids, I think you have a tendency to look at the present and you sometimes not look ahead. And that's not everybody, but there is a reason why young people aren't considered to be wise. I said that. Old people. (laughs) People that have had experience. Terry Roy says they should pay them and fans can come and see the players, not the coaches. Hopefully they'll go back and pay all of them. You said pay, not play. Okay, I got you, Terry. Matt Worley says, doesn't that disqualify Title IX and all the other rules for college sports? I mean, they're saying pay all of them, right? I mean, everybody gets paid. Tyler Dixon says, hogs need – and I tell you what, you know, there are sports out there that football supports and basketball. Baseball really just takes care of itself, but there are sports out there that are, you know, across all of athletics that football supports. So that's a good good point, Matt. Hogs need to look at Chiefs Chiefs offense and how they run it. I know we don't have Mahomes at quarterback, but the Chiefs offense has so much fun. LOL. Tyler Dixon says, yeah, I mean, they've got Mahomes. <laughs> Chase Hogan Jones says, I want jerseys with my favorite players' names and numbers. Donnie Butt says, make it all the same amount. I mean, that's possible, but is it really fair that like Darren McFadden would make the same amount as uh, I can't, you know, some some other player that doesn't play as much. I mean, it's it's a tough question. I don't know what the answer is. That's why they need to get people smarter than me in there and get it figured out. Cleo Garland, yeah, sorry, Bobby, I slipped on his name. Larry Harris says, "How do you feel? How do you feel better? I'm a Hog fan, but we still played bad. I mean, I'm not saying I feel good, Larry, <laughs> but yeah, there are there are grays. You know, I'm not just going to say they lost again. Man, I think it's different, but yeah, I, I feel better. That's absolutely what I said, and I I would say that. Um, do I feel good? No, I'm far from feeling good. I mean, it's been a hard seven and a half years, Larry. I think you're right there with me." Maurice Norman says, I almost called it Trey, but the refs gave the game to them. Again, I don't know that they gave it to them. They just didn't make it easier, Maurice. You know, they definitely did not play in Arkansas's favor. If you're like putting up categories, you know, who won special teams? I think Arkansas might have won special teams. I think it was a wash at the worst. I mean, offensively, Arkansas might have won that. I mean, defensively, Arkansas. I, I think Arkansas overall outplayed them and everywhere about the scoreboard, but I think you would probably, if there was a category for did you get the calls or not. And I tried to look both ways. I did still. I don't see Arkansas getting away with most stuff, although I will say that Nick Starkle might have gotten away with a helmet-to-helmet on that play that he got injured on. 
By the way, Nick, you know, speaking of learning lessons, if you throw an interception again, just run to the sideline. That's what NFL coaches teach him to do. Terry Roy says, KJ is ready. I don't know, Kerry. I mean, I mean, you've got insight into the into the program from Devois. I know. I just see I see a guy who looks like a million bucks one play, and then a guy that does, and I'm not saying that there's not a package for him, but is he the starter start to finish? I don't I just don't know that he is. If KJ had started two weeks ago, Arkansas would be undefeated. Again from Terry. James Jennings says, always like your thoughts and opinions, TB. Appreciate that, James. Doing my best. Justice Max says, hey, Trey, does Arkansas have trouble with dual threat quarterbacks due to the lack of there being a lack of no one on the roster for so long? Uh, you mean like not competing against a dual threat? I mean, when they do stuff like scout team work, sometimes they'll use maybe a wide receiver or something to, to help in that regard. But did they really have trouble with Kellen Mond? I mean, what did he have, 33, 33 yards? I think he had 18 of them on one run. And the year before that, he had 14 carries for 11 yards. So, I don't know. Again, I'll say it again. I'm just I'm just not that impressed with Kellen Mond. I, I just kind of chuckle a little bit when he says that he's – not only does he think he's the best – what does he say? He tells himself he's the best SEC quarterback, but he believes it or something. I can't remember. But, uh, no, not the best SEC quarterback. You're not a bad quarterback, but – He's just a little mechanical to me. That's all. But, I mean, they've had trouble with dual-threat quarterbacks, sure. Have they had trouble with Kellen Mond? I mean, I know he's 3-0 and now against Arkansas, but I just I don't see him, like, running for a bunch of yards on Arkansas or even necessarily buying a bunch of time. How many times they sack him? Four times? Four sacks? That's pretty good. Matt A. Worley says, Joe Fouché, can you think of one good play he's made? LOL, haven't seen it or missed it. Um, he had an interception at the end of the Portland State game, I believe. I think he also had a fumble recovery at some point, maybe. But I don't think – I think Arkansas's defensive backs overall have played pretty well. I mean, I don't know. Leave your comments. I want to know what you guys think. But, I mean, the way the game is designed – it's for teams to go up and score points. You know, I, I hear people, you know, watching a game or something and, and the other team will score and somebody will go, that's terrible, unacceptable. Well, I mean, did we think they were going to shut them out? I mean, the game is designed so offenses score. That's Every rule change has either been made for player safety or to be an advantage for the offense. I mean, and most of that player safety stuff is an advantage for the offense because wide receivers don't fear going over the middle anymore to get tagged by safety because it's not going to happen anymore. There'll be a defensive player. It's a helmet-to-helmet, and you can't sack the quarterback right now without gently laying him down. So even the player safety stuff is a disadvantage for the defense. Doug Gwins, I hope I said that right, Doug. Excited to have good quarterbacks that can compete and win the game. Last time we had two were Mallett and Store. You mean Mallett and, uh, and Wilson, I think. Uh, Doug, but yeah, I mean the quarterback situation is light years better than it was last year. Not only are Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle better than Ty Story and Cole Kelly, but there's also KJ Jefferson on this team, who I think can play a role at some point with this team. Start, I don't know about that, but come in and like provide a package, maybe at the goal line, because to be honest, I haven't been just thrilled with Arkansas's play calling at the goal line, but maybe get a dual threat guy in there. Maybe something changes a little bit. The guy, like I was mentioning, the guy has thighs. I mean, you talk about if there's a quarterback on this roster who could drive a pile, KJ. James Jennings says quarterbacks and receivers need to get on the same page, and defense has a lot of missed tackles. They did have some, yeah. I mean, but overall, can you be that disappointed with the defense's play? 
I mean, they held him to 340 yards. So I tell you, defense is going to hold him to 340 yards. You take it right now. Doug says, excited to have decent quarterback. I think I read that. Matt Worley says, how do you know this? LOL, I've never seen him play college ball yet. Oh, talking about Terry. Well, Terry is Devois Whaley's uncle, so I'm assuming he's got some probably some insight from, from Devois or maybe other players on the team or something. Tracy McKnight says, after watching A&M game, updated win projection. Um, well, I probably – I'm not going to say they're going to a bowl game anymore, but I still think it's a possibility that they can win, what, three more games? Uh, Western Kentucky, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Now, I know Missouri is is putting it on people. Missouri is another good example of how things are just kind of weird in college football these days because they also got beat by a Mountain West team in their opener, 37-31, 37-30, something like that, excuse me, to Missouri and – or excuse me, to uh, Wyoming. And then the last three games, they were off last week, and the last three games have been blowouts in their favor. But Missouri, you got to think about Missouri's situation. Arkansas, you would think, is going to continue to get better. Defense, probably going to continue to accumulate injuries and may, you know, may not get better, uh, although they played pretty well in this last one. But that Missouri game is in Little Rock, so it's farther away for their tra- fans to travel. It's in Little Rock. Uh, Missouri's not going to a bowl game this year, so they don't really have a whole lot to play for. I mean, Little Rock is their bowl game this year. So maybe. Uh, $50,000, 50, uh, um, let's see, Mississippi State is in Little Rock, or excuse me, Mississippi State's in Fayetteville, so maybe that's a possibility too, Mississippi State's not just setting the world on fire, uh, as I was reading that when I said that, because Michael Passarelli says $100,000 education, <laughs> but yeah, $100,000 education is, uh, is definitely some payment, but that's $25,000 a year. Glad to have two decent quarterbacks come in and can help us, says Doug. Bobby Tate says, Trey, how can you folks not remember we almost beat Texas A&M last year and still fl-? Again, Bobby, go back and look at the game. Look at the numbers. It's a totally different game. They were literally dominated in every facet except for turnovers in that game. They didn't put up a lot of offense. They barely passed for 50%. Uh, they put up 55 rushing yards. It's a different game. I know the score is similar, but it's a different game. Tyler Dixon says, how do you decide how much they get paid? It's it's a difficult question. It's not an easy question. But the fact of the matter is I'm on the side that they should be in some way. They should get compensated in some way beyond just the education. I know the education is huge. The education is the biggest thing. I mean, there's no question about it. Where's Catalan? I haven't seen him all year. I mean, again, just a, a, a true freshman safety. He wasn't an early enrollee. I think that's that's part of it. He has played a little bit, but he's a true freshman safety. And true sef- freshman safeties, no matter how talented they are, they get you in trouble. It just takes one. This is this is how important little subtleties are. There is a t- times in practice where Arkansas's you know defensive backs or linebackers they'll work on this simplest subtle move, and all it is is. You know, they'll have a grad assistant, you know, acting like he's handing the ball off a certain direction. And so the linebackers will just take one step. It's just like work on reacting quickly. That's all it is, that one little step. Because that step, that first step can mean the difference in a home run or making a tackle. And too often, you know, you see young defensive backs don't know how to get their head around. They're just waiting to be a a pass interference call or they make a false step and then boom, especially at a safety position where you're the last line of defense. 
College football is the minor league for the NFL. Yeah, it is. Drew Bryant, but it's not entirely. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's not the same as baseball, obviously. There's a lot more. I mean, there's a lot more interest in college football. It's, it, you can say it's a minor league, but I don't know that many, um, you know, minor league baseball teams are getting anywhere close to the support that, you know, some of these uh, college teams are. All right, everybody. One more time. Plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live. YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you have not done so already. Hit the notifications bell right now. Hit the notifications bell after you subscribe so you're notified anytime we upload new videos available on Apple Podcasts, the number one rated show on Apple Podcasts right now. Five stars, throw us five stars, throw us a review, say something nice. We'd really appreciate that. So again, if you haven't thrown us a thumbs up, go ahead and do so right now. Also available on Spotify and Stitcher and hogsports.com, just $1 for your first month right now. And when I'm telling you it's the best insider Razorback news that you're going to get anywhere, try us out and decide for yourselves. We find out so many people don't really understand everything that we offer behind the scenes in terms of breakdowns, the insider recruiting news that we get, um, just the stuff from our sources. Um, try us out if you haven't done so already. I think you're going to be pleased, and it's just $1 for your first month. Or you can sign up for a year, get 30% off, and take a seven-day free trial with that. So. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Like I always say, we wouldn't be able to do this show without you. We wouldn't be able to do this job without you guys. So I really appreciate everybody joining in with their opinions. And uh, even if we disagree, it's still fun to have that conversation. Nothing like talking college football and basketball, baseball, recruiting, and all that stuff. So thanks once more to all of you. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.